Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 972 of the Juicebox podcast. On today's show, I'll be speaking with Karen. She's an Air Force veteran, a doctor practicing family medicine. She has type 1 diabetes and Hashimoto's. While you're listening today, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Interested in getting started with Dexcom? Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Want to save 40% off of comfortable sheets, clothing, and towels? CozyEarth.com. Use the offer code juicebox at checkout. If you're looking for a free year's supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order, drinkag1.com forward slash juice box. Links to all of the sponsors are in the show notes of the audio app you're listening in right now and at juiceboxpodcast.com. When you click on my links, you are in fact supporting the show and I cannot thank you enough for that. I do have some time left here, so let me remind you about the private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes, 40,000 members and climbing every day. There's a conversation happening right now that you would love. This episode of the Juicebox Podcast is sponsored by Omnipod, makers of the Omnipod Dash and the Omnipod 5. Use my link to get started, omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Omnipod is tubeless and reliable and the insulin pump that my daughter has been using for 15 years. Omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. The podcast is also sponsored today by another device that I see around my house, the Contour Meters. Oh, goodness me. Today's episode is sponsored by the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. A meter should be a couple of things. It should have a bright light. It should be accurate. It should be easy to hold and easy to read. If you agree, then you also want a Contour Meter. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Hey, everyone. Um, my name is Karen. I always say I'm the good kind, not the bad kind. <laughs> I am 27 years old. I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 23. I am currently in my second year of training in family medicine. So I'm a, a, basically in my specialty training. I am a doctor. I'm also a Air Force veteran and married to an active duty Air Force officer who's currently stationed in Las Vegas. And yeah, that's me. All right. So you're, okay, you're 27. You're an Air Force mm -hmm. vet. You've had diabetes for about four years. Mm -hmm. You already have your MD, but you're still working towards it? Or you are, or, or like, where are you at in that training? I'm sorry. Yeah. So I went to four years of medical school. So I graduated uh, two years ago. Mm -hmm. And then once you complete medical school, you generally do a couple years of specialty training in a specific area of medicine. So some people will go into surgery, some people go into pediatrics, some people go into internal medicine. I My specialty is family medicine. So we like to say we take care of all age, basically from birth to grave is the whole age group that we take care of. So I have the pleasure of getting to take care of members of an entire family, which is just a really unique part of our specialty. 
So I am an MD, but I'm in my second year of family medicine training. This seems brilliant to me. Almost <laughs> like, it's funny, the, the parallel, I was about to choose, I need to pick a different one. Hold on. I was gonna, <laughs> almost like, like an online model, like a, a, a business model. Like, have you ever, you ever heard somebody say like, look, I don't need 20,000 customers. I just need 1,500 people who are, who come see me every month. And so like you, you, you might end up with like a smaller group of people, but actually stay with them for their whole life. Is that about how that ends up going? That is potentially how it can end up going. If you stay in the same area for a long period of time, some of my more senior like faculty members have taken care of families for like 40 or 50 years. And, you know, they take care of grandma, they take care of mom, and then even, you know, mom's babies. And so it's, you can literally take care of multiple generations in a family. I can see the benefit in that too. Like just off the top of my head, if your grandmother has hyperthyroidism and you come in and you sh- you're showing signs of it, it, it may, the doctor might like, kind of like light up a bulb in their head faster than if you just came in and they didn't know any of your family history like that. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. What yeah. made you what made you choose that? I mean, what made you want to be a doctor, I guess, first of all? Yeah. So I think it's like a really long story, but coming out of high school, I always had more of a personality trait of caring for others and really wanting to take care of others. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of slowly developed over my time when I was in college. And now it's it's just most more so like I really just enjoy taking care of people from a health perspective and helping people live the happiest life that they can live through their health is what brings me a lot of um, pleasure and joy. And I think that's one of the reasons why I went into medicine, because as we, in my opinion, as we kind of get older, a lot of things that prevent us from really enjoying life to the fullest is our health, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. You know, some people struggle with like, you know, chronic pain as they get older or chronic disease. And if I can help people live a better and healthier life so that they can have a happy, more functional life as they get older. That just brings me a lot of pleasure and happiness. <laughs> yeah, it's a, well, it's such a, I mean, it was, it's obviously the answer you're hoping for when you ask somebody the question, you know, not like, yeah. well, Scott, I enjoy being in power and, uh, oh, right. <laughs> or, 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 and I know for sure, because I know a handful of doctors, they wouldn't tell anybody to become a doctor at this point. So it wasn't because people were telling you it's great to get into, right? Yeah, I mean, we work a lot of hours. We obtain a lot of debt. <laughs> and the insurance. So there's lots of reasons. The and insurance. Yes, that's true. Oh, my God. But I'm lucky. Family medicine, we actually don't get, um, we don't have to deal with that very often. It's not, We're one of, like, the least, the specialties that deal with that issue the least often. <laughs> oh, interesting. Oh, that's really interesting. So, okay. So. I think. It, oh, I'm sorry. I, I spoke over you. Oh, no. Um, I think it's just because we have really good continuity of care with our patients. Mm-hmm. So they, we know them, they know us. So it's, I feel like that is probably a contributing factor. Probably helps, but so. Explain, yeah. explain to me, you graduate from high school. Do you go right into the air force? Yeah. So, um, I went to one of the military academies. I went to air force academy in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the Naval Academy or West Point? I've seen a lot of movies and television shows where they talk about them. So yes, yeah, I'm familiar enough. So essentially, that's where I went to. That's where I got my college degree from. I essentially went to a military college. Is 
kind of the way you can put it in one of the main officer training programs into the Air Force. Okay. Um, in addition to like ROTC. So that's where I went and my college was paid for. I had to like wear a uniform to class every day. We had to like march in formation. But I had lots of other really cool opportunities there that you just wouldn't get anywhere else mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah, that's where I went and I got my commission there and graduated, got my degree in biology, got a scholarship to medical school and kind of went from Air Force to medical school here in North Carolina. How long are you in the Air Force for? Or are, so, you, are you still active or? No, no. So that was uh, the diabetes is what ultimately. Oh, yeah. What am my I thinking? Air Force journey. Yeah. Well, what am I thinking? They booted your ass right out of there. <laughs> They did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) So I made it into my second year of medical school. And that's when I kind of started noticing that something wasn't right. And that's when I was diagnosed. And I went through about a year and a half to two years of the um, medical evaluation board in the Air Force, where, you know, if you something like this comes up, they like put you through a whole process where they see if you can you know, even be in the military anymore. Mm -hmm. I think my process was prolonged because of COVID. Okay. Yeah. And also I was in a weird reserve status at the time. So there wasn't, it wasn't as clean as a process if I was on active duty. Before the diabetes, was it your intention to stay in the reserves after you served your time? I, I mean, it was my, it was definitely my intention to be in the active duty Air Force as like a military doctor. Oh, okay. That was my intention. So I would have graduated from medical school, gone from reserve status back to active, you know, done my residency in family medicine, but would have done it through the Air Force. You know, Karen, I've heard this story a number of times, and this is the first time it didn't make sense to me. Why the heck couldn't you be a doctor with type 1 diabetes? Like, like, just don't send you to a war zone if they're that worried. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Did you make that argument? I did make that argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, the way the military views it is, I mean, what's an important part of, you know, our military is being prepared to go on deployments. And unfortunately, being on insulin makes you not deployable because they out in the field can't safely keep insulin refrigerated. You know, what happens if you were to have an event? Yeah, Yeah. but come on. One of you has to stay back in Colorado and take care of people or whatever. I don't like this argument at all. Okay, that's fine. They'll miss you. Yeah, I I think some things may change into the future. I I think they recently, I heard that there is an Air Force Academy graduate who got diagnosed with type 1 when he was at the academy Mm -hmm. who ended up commissioning. So I think things are changing. I was jealous, but I mean, he was in a different position than I was. He had a lot more resources and leadership support to kind of help him get through that versus I kind of went through this entire process on my own because I was basically kind of a civilian at the time that this all happened, although I was still considered a member of the Air Force. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're in like halfway through medical school when you get diagnosed, how does it present Mm -hmm. and... I'm dying to know how much of your, you know, education helped you or if you were just as lost as everybody else when you were being diagnosed. Yeah. So I will say I was completely lost. (laughs) (laughs) People think you're really smart if you're in medical school, but it's surprising, like, how much you don't know. And I, you know, I'm still learning as much as I'm learning now. But 
So essentially, so I was diagnosed in August of 2018. So it was just at the kind of the beginning of my second year. And that summer, I was like, I was thinking about it before I was talking to you. I just did not feel right that entire summer prior to August. I first kind of noticed just like some changes to my exercise tolerance Mm -hmm. just seemed to be getting fatigued more quickly. And I was like, well, maybe I'm just like really, really out of shape. Who knows? So I kind of was dealing with that for, I'm not sure, maybe about two months. And then I went and did some training up in Ohio for my Air Force stuff. So I was required to complete some training. And I did get a really, really bad viral cold there. I know classic story. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Got back from that training, went home to my parents' house in California and came back and was, you know, getting medical school started back again. We kind of had a small break and still having like tiredness. Then, you know, it started feeling more thirsty. And I was like, well, it's the fan in my room. It's July in North Ah, Carolina. Of course I'm thirsty. Karen, the fans drying you out? Is that where you went to? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and of course, I started peeing more because I'm drinking so much water. Because of the damn fan. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then the hunger started. I was eating a lot. I was like, well, this is so great. I'm hungry and I'm not gaining weight. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And then in it was like two weeks into August, I noticed I stepped on the scale one day. I was like, wow, I've lost 15 pounds. That is not normal. And all I've been doing is eating and continuing my normal lifestyle. So that does not make any sense. Does that put your brain towards cancer once you finally start? Yeah, yeah, it's what happens, right? You think I'm losing weight and I shouldn't be. Oh, God, I have cancer. Exactly. Yeah, and right. ironically, we were in the cancer unit of my medical school education. So I was terrified. <laughs> like, like, guess what, everybody? Gonna get some firsthand experience off of Karen in a second. And so who do exactly. you, you go to the doctor? Do you this is interesting. Do you go to the doctor or do you try to figure it out on your own? So I did go to the doctor. I initially went so I went to my family medicine primary care doctor. And I thought it was my thyroid because I also have, we didn't know until after I was diagnosed with type 1 that it was Hashimoto's, mm-hmm. but I had hypothyroidism that I was diagnosed with when I was at Air Force. And so I was like, oh, maybe my thyroid is like really active and that must have caused my 15 pound weight loss. <laughs> well, you know what? That's reasonable. I yeah, mean, I don't know about 15 yeah. pounds, but it's reasonable to think that your weight got knocked off course by thyroid. So, okay. All right. Right. Yeah. So, I went and we checked my thyroid and that was, you know, that was fine. And another two days went by and this, by this time it's a Friday and I was, something just wasn't sitting right with me. So, I was at school and I was telling my friends about what was going on and kind of had like a little bit of a breakdown because I was really scared. Sure. And we went and we were calling a bunch of clinics around town trying to find a clinic that was open for me to go see somebody. And of course, I mean, I will, you know, agree with this Friday afternoons to get into a doctor's office, very difficult. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we ended up talking to one of the school administrator people who was one of the family doctors nearby. And I told her what was going on. And she's like, you know, does diabetes run in your family? And I was like, no, (laughs) it does not. Um, and I'm like, I heard, I sure hope that's not what's going on because I'm going to get kicked out of the Air Force. And she's like, oh, okay. Like, I don't think that's what's going on. I think she was just trying to reassure me. And 
she ended up holding one of the residents at the family medicine clinic that I currently train at over for like a late afternoon appointment and sent me over there. And so I got into the office, they checked my blood sugar, it was like into the 400s. And my A1C, I don't remember what it was, but it was definitely greater than 12. Oh, wow. When they checked it in the office. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that sucks. And so right away, yeah. I don't have cancer, but I'm out of the Air Force. Yeah, and that was legitimately my first thought. And I said the F word and I called my, it was Max, my who's I'm married to now, but he was my boyfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. Called him immediately, and I couldn't imagine what it must have felt like for him to be on the receiving end of that phone call because I was very upset and wasn't even thinking about what my health like was, like that this was very serious. Because yeah. uh, I frankly, I didn't know. Like, I was like told my blood sugar was over 400. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> and she's <laughs> like, that's really high. <laughs> but, but yeah. Is it? Was it, uh, I don't know, you were probably so overwhelmed. This is going to be a stupid question. But I mean, was there ever a moment when you thought, Jesus, I'm in medical school and I didn't I didn't know about any of this? I think about that a lot now. I'm like, how did I not know about but this? But not in the and, moment, right? Right. And I will yeah. say, I hadn't had my endocrinology block yet. <laughs> I had it later. <laughs> but yeah, I had no idea. Like, I had no idea what a high or a low blood sugar was. Like the first year of medical school is much more like basic sciences based versus right. clinical based. So I just ha- had no context for any of that information. Yeah. In fairness, Arden's going to fashion school and she said, I don't think anything about fashion is happening in my first year of college. And yeah. so not, not much, di- not much different, right? Like you're getting the basics down and, and the whole thing. And your uh, was he your boyfriend at that point? Yeah, see, we had been together, I think, for about three years at that time. Okay. So he under so he very uniquely understands the loss of of the of the Air Force, whereas mm-hmm. somebody else who's not serving wouldn't have. Right. And was there ever conversations like, oh, we'll like stay in the Air Force together? Like did it kind of put a wrench in what you were thinking about doing beyond the obvious stuff? Let's dig right in. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. You want, you need, and you deserve an accurate blood glucose meter. Please look into the Contour line of meters if you agree. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. The Contour Next Gen is sponsoring this episode, and you should check it out. When you go to the link, you can learn all about the meters and those second chance test strips that they offer. My daughter loves her contour meter, and more importantly, uh, I love it. So um, I'm telling you, it's the best meter I've ever used. It's easy to use, easy to hold, easy to see. It's got a bright light for nighttime viewing, and the second chance test strips stop there from being errors and wasted strips. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Check it out today. You can actually buy your meter or your strips Right there, there's a buy now button. It'll take you to, gosh, links to like eight different places online where you can look for meters and test strips. It is completely possible. Actually, it's very possible that these these items, they may cost less through those links than you are paying right now through your insurance. Mind boggling, I know, but it's worth checking into. 
contournext.com forward slash juice box. The contour meters are terrific. They are accurate. They are durable. And I believe you will love them. My daughter Arden has been wearing an Omnipod since she was four years old. And she is now 19. That is every day wearing an Omnipod for the last 15 years. I think what we love most about Omnipod is that it doesn't have any tubing. But, uh, I don't know. Is that the thing you love most about it? You don't have to take it off to swim or bathe. You can leave it on for activity and exercise. It's small. I don't... It, I mean, it's so easy to put on, right? To fill it and to put it on. It's just... It takes us no time at all. Um, yeah, I guess it's hard to figure out what my favorite thing about Omnipod is. I guess I'll just say that my daughter loves it. It's easy and it's worked for her for so many years. It's just such a friend in all of this. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. You can check your coverage there for your insurance uh, or take a test drive, right? Would you like a free trial of the Omnipod? You can do that there as well. And you can just get started. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Now you have a decision to make. Do you want the Omnipod Dash, which is an insulin pump, where you make all the decisions, or do you want the Omnipod 5? Now, the Omnipod 5 is the first and only tubeless automated insulin delivery system to integrate with the Dexcom G6, and it's available for people with type 1 diabetes ages 2 years and older. It features smart adjust technology, and it's going to help you to protect against highs and lows both day and night. That's an algorithm-based system, making decisions about insulin, giving it, and taking it away. It's pretty damn cool. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Links in the show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com. When you use those links, you're supporting the production of the podcast and helping to keep it free and plentiful. I think, yeah, I think we had envisioned that we were both going to do our Air Force commitments. I didn't, I didn't, at this point, I don't know if we would ever thinking about doing a career, mm-hmm. but that was definitely a part of our plan was for us to eventually, I would complete my training. We would either, I would continue with my commitment in the Air Force and he would finish up his, or we would do it together. So it did kind of change things, but ultimately I think, you know, in the end, if you want to look at the big picture, everything kind of works out the way it's supposed to be. And I think it would have been very difficult for both of us to stay in the Air Force in the career fields that we are. Okay. The Air Force, I mean, does try their very best to keep spouses and families together. If you're, you know, your both of your jobs can be placed at the same base. Mm-hmm. But knowing what his job is, he he's a pilot. And what my job would have been being a physician, it would have been, I think, kind of very difficult for us to be at the same place. I see. So I think, you know, everything kind of works out the way it's supposed to and this was it's not a great way to get out of the military but maybe it that that was the silver lining of it all is it make it makes our lives a little bit easier did it impact how you were paying for college though it did oh geez hey, cost, <laughs> diabetes costs you more than everybody else like everybody's like insulin is expensive and you're like yeah plus medical school oh wow exactly oh my god <laughs> oh that super sucks karen Holy God, <laughs> that's terrible. Like, like I would have, yeah. oh boy, you don't know, I'm so cheap. I would have been in the hospital. People would have been like, you have diabetes. My brain would have went, oh my God, I'm out of the Air Force. Oh my God, I got to pay for medical school. Like, I would have been like in 30 seconds to that thought. Like, oh no. Oh, that sucks. Oh, I'm so sorry. 
I'm so sorry. It's okay. No, it's not okay. What do you mean it's okay? It's horrible. It's like, I mean, half a medical school. Can you tell me where you're enrolled? I went to Wake Forest School oh, of Medicine. That and sounds expensive. It, it was very expensive, but I had a great education. <laughs> Well, I don't. Well, you're really hot. You're like a glasses half full person, huh? I am. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely be like, this is bullshit. <laughs> I'm being screwed in every direction right now. Like you didn't, you didn't have any. Well, I'll ask you. You didn't have any feelings like that, or you did? Oh, I, I did. I, I was very angry for a long time about, I, about like what happened, the like how like life is unfair. Um, I had like my life planned out. I, you know, served my country. I was going into medicine. Like, why did this happen to me? Yeah. So I, I did go through that. Oh, I and just... I only really recently kind of, I only went to two sessions, but she was very helpful. I saw a psychologist who specializes in managing adults with chronic illness, specifically cystic fibrosis and type one. Mm -hmm. And she was very helpful in kind of getting over those feelings and like coming to acceptance that my life has changed. This is my life now. We're not going backwards. All we can do is move forwards. And now I feel much more at peace yeah. with what happened. Well, that, that person must be a genius because I just Googled it and we're talking mid sixties a year. Am I right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. Those people better get good and sick when you become their doctor and come every week. <laughs> yes. Please come to your appointment. <laughs> yeah. And you might you might be the first doctor with a tip jar out front. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> you feel we've got an excellent service. Nothing wrong with putting a 20 in the jar on your way. <laughs> mm -hmm. Karen's got bills. Oh my goodness. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay. Uh to go backwards really far for a second. The idea of calling someone a Karen is only a few years old. Isn't that right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Did it kind of mm -hmm. started around the time of the lady in the park, right, where she acted scared of a guy, and the guy was like, I'm not even talking to you, and then she, like, flipped oh, it. Oh, like, he called the police. Yeah, like, it's right around that time, I think. It's right around that time, like, 2020 or so. Did that actually have an impact on your life? Not really. So I always feel like Karen has been one of those names that people joke about a lot. Mostly if you think of Mean Girls. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, okay. Have you seen that movie? Listen, Karen, let's not make me admit on the podcast that I've seen Mean Girls, okay? But yeah, yes. <laughs> okay, I, you can yeah, admit it. <laughs> no, I've, def I've definitely seen Mean Girls, yes. <laughs> so I always feel like Karen has always been one of those names that's always kind of been on the root end of a joke. So mm -hmm. it's been this way my entire life. But yeah, the Karen thing that happened back in the like, what? Yeah, like you were saying, twenty twenty. Now I just kind of get out in front of it, and people think it's funny. I'm like, I'm Karen. I'm the good kind. Yeah. So I get out in front of it before anybody else can own it. I just own my name. <laughs> yeah. You are. Why are you so um pleasant? I'm being serious. I'm not being sarcastic. Like upbringing, scared of Jesus. Somebody like they did something happen? Like seriously, you're a really pleasant person. What? what tell me how that oh, happened. Thank you. No, no, no. Please. Yeah. First of all, you're welcome. It's a. It's. I think it's a a, a hell of a compliment, and I mean it. But I mean, like I'm not as pleasant as you. But why not? Like if I grew up in your house, would I have been? Is it just your disposition? Like I'm serious. Uh. You don't know, do you? Probably a mix of. I mean, I think it's like a mix of like environment. 
and like the, what I've experienced in life kind of up to this point. I feel like I've experienced a lot of different things in, mm-hmm. for a 27-year-old upbringing for sure i don't come from a religious background at all mm-hmm. but my you know my mom always taught me to kill people with kindness so but you're not acting been... you're not acting when you're talking though this is who you are no this is who i am yeah. like i really like i prefer to treat people nicely and kindly and give people the benefit of the doubt i feel much more happy about life if i think positively about it mm-hmm. i mean there are times that i i get into a place where I'm just upset and angry and mad. And that's where Max comes in. He's very helpful. (laughs) (laughs) But I just find that, you know, things generally work better if you come at something with a positive attitude and try and work the problem. That's something my dad always said too. He's like, well, you know, here's what's in front of you. Find a way to work the problem. Like this didn't work, but what else might work? If I met a person that was that sucked, they, it's a person that truly sucks. You've met somebody like that. Yeah, uh, could I yeah. say I'm positive that this person sucks, <laughs> or that that doesn't yes. count as being positive? <laughs> <laughs> I think you could say that. <laughs> okay. I don't think I'm not. By the way, I don't think I'm not a lot of the things that you mentioned too. I just I don't know. There's like a cynical side of me that that looks for that stuff, and it, it mm-hmm. just it's it's fascinating to me when people don't do that. Like, I actually think I'm good at, like, a number of things because I'm always wondering on some level, like, who's trying to get over here? Who's screwing us? Mm-hmm. Like, like what you know, what's the angle? Why are they saying that? And you don't have, you're not encumbered by any of those thoughts. I not should, so much. Yeah. But I will say there's a disadvantage to that. Okay. You know, there's always, I think there's always good, and I think there's goods and bads to all personality types, but... At least you have some level of suspicion and questioning, or sometimes I might just look something over and be like, all is well. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, you know, that may be something that sometimes I don't always yeah. question and have a critical mind all the time when maybe I should. Mm-hmm. And so I might miss something that you might pick up on. Yeah. Like you, you're having um, or, a great time in a group. And then when you leave, you're like, somebody stole your shoes. And you're like, how'd that happen? And Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, Where'd my money go? That's not, that's crazy. <laughs> Nobody's. Nobody stole my money. We were just hanging out. That guy over there was smoking crack. And I don't understand what happened. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was lovely. All right. So, okay. I'm getting all this. I understand you. The the You have Hashimoto's, you said. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And is there any other autoimmune in your family? So, none that we know of. So, I also had psoriasis when I was very little. So, that was the first kind of autoimmune issue that may have been like a warning sign so i had that when i was two but no one else in my family that we know of has any autoimmune disorders other than myself okay i'm a fraternal twin she's completely fine i also have an older sister who only two years older who has no issues at all that we know of Un- and can i curse karen Un- Believable. Are you serious? <laughs> and, I know. Same womb, right? Like, I'm trying happened? so hard to get you upset, and it's not working. But you know, like you don't want to like <laughs> that. Does that does that hurt a little bit? Ah, uh, you know. Damn it, no, Karen! I, I married the wrong girl. I you know. are so pleasant. Jeez. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, you're way too young and everything, but still. 
if I could get into a time machine, I'd go try to find you at like 17. And I'd be like, hey, what's up? Uh, we should be friends because you're going to grow up to be a lovely person. And I want to be around this. Oh, my God. That's no kidding. So how about for your, uh, I'm sorry, twins as a, a sister or brother? I forget. If sister. You so I only have sisters. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so do you think they feel bad? I think they do. Really? Especially because a lot of these health things didn't come up until I was in college and we were all separated. Mm -hmm. So I think part of them feels, they do feel bad. Um, They, you know, my family, we always make jokes to kind of, I think, lighten up the situation. They always say, well, we're so glad it's you because we couldn't, we couldn't do this. Like we couldn't handle the things that you have to do. You're, you know, a strong person and you know, like that's all well and good. Um, but I do that. I honestly do think that they feel for my situation and all the things that I've gone through. And I think they hope that it doesn't happen to them. Mm-hmm. I hope it doesn't happen to them, but I just, you know, I've kept them on alert. I'm like, you know, I have these things going on. They might show up later in your life. You, you know, just be aware that related and the, you know if something could happen who knows karen behind your back they think of you as the ghost of christmas future and they're like keep keep her out of here with those stories about what might happen <laughs> it's a, by the way it's a lovely thing you're doing by keeping them abreast of what's going on and 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 because then they might have a chance if they do see something to see it sooner are you the um right. let's be honest here are you the smartest of the siblings or is that doctor thing doesn't necessarily make you smart I don't think I'm like intellectually the smartest. I think I maybe, I think my older sister is like the smartest, Mm -hmm. but I think I have, I think I understand people and can really hear people out in a unique way. Maybe that, and that might be why I was drawn to family medicine because it's a lot more social and talking with people and hearing like their views about medicine and trying just to meet them where they're at. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm very good at picking up new skills and I'm very committed to what I do, which I think are all qualities that make a good physician. I mean, people will tell you, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room to be a good doctor. You know, you really have to care um, and obviously know the medicine and other things. But I don't think I'm like the intellectually the most, like the smartest person in my family, although my family members might disagree just because of the academic stuff I've completed thus far. Are you a little worried that you're going to spend the rest of your natural life fielding, fielding questions from your friends and family about their ailments? Oh, I'm already doing it. A hundred percent. People ask you all the time where people feel like they have to come and explain their health to you. Oh, really? Like, oh, it's weird. They're like, oh, I have this going on. And they just like want to like share everything with you. Like if I'm you like, were a mechanic just... and the their carburetor was dirty, you feel like they would be like, "Oh, the car's running rough," like that kind of thing. Like they, you think yeah. they're telling? Oh, no kidding. I have uh, one of my close friends is a is a physician, and anytime I ask him about, I start my first sentence is just like, "Hey, I'm really sorry," and I realize that <laughs> everyone does this to you, and we talk about it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Everybody, everybody does it." Like it's. Like everyone I know who has a question is like, hey, I'm coughing. What's going around? Or can you look at a picture of this? Or, <laughs> you know, like exactly. that kind of stuff. And it's, I'll tell you, when you're friends with a physician, it, you have to really stop yourself. You, you know what I mean? Because it feels easy. Like, oh, well, you know, Karen will know. I'll just text her real quick. I save them for really like, like moments. Yeah. You know, if I'm asking, something's something's wrong anyway it's going to be your whole life 
you might as well just get it. Yeah. You might as well get a burner phone right now and just give it to your to your husband. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> although you're not going to care. You're the nicest person I've met in the last six months. So have you never killed anybody? Nothing. No. Nothing, nothing big like that you're hiding. No. You I would a, try go. I would try going hunting though. I think at least once, just to try it. Just to try but it. But I've never done that. No. How? I have to know. I know we haven't talked about your diabetes yet. I'm assuming we will mm-hmm. soon. Honestly, I don't know. But what was it like being in the Air Force? Because you're commingled, right? Men and women, and mm-hmm. and you are you are just incredibly pleasant. And you're kind of. Are you a small person, like stature wise, or no? Are you tall? No. You're tall, right? I'm about five ten. Okay, so you're you're taller. Okay, but what's it mm-hmm. like? Well, I mean, what's that whole thing like? Do is there is? I mean, obviously, there's got to be a boys' club. Is, do you try to get into it, or you don't care about it? Are they crass, and you have to be crass in return, or like how did that whole thing go? I I, I hear the boys' club thing. I think that's definitely. I don't know if that's all related to the military. I feel like that's present in a lot of organizations. Sure, sure. Even in medicine, I will say that you will come across that. But trying to think, it's been so long since I was there, but I always felt very promoted by my leadership to pursue leadership within my squadron. You know, they I feel like the Air Force does a particularly better job at, I think, elevating women than maybe some of the other forces. I don't know if that's true. Generally, a more female-friendly force from my understanding compared to the other ones in terms of like percentages, if you look at it, mm-hmm. but I, and I don't know if it's just because the academies are a place of like leadership development that they do try and perform like equal opportunity between everybody. But I never felt like I had to like act differently. Okay. I I, mean, I think we all learn ways to I'm Bl- trying to think blend in. Right. To blend in yeah. um, and all, and work how to how to work best with people mm-hmm. and how to you know if I'm trying to achieve the means how can I communicate in such a way that will get my vision across? But I think you learn that with working within a lot of different organizations as well as how do you best communicate with people that may be different from you? Right. Does does the fact that you're dating somebody in the Air Force, does that put like a force field around you that keeps the creepy away, maybe? Do the guys know, like, is that something? Or um, no? you might not have ever even thought know. of it. Yeah. I mean, I don't I I didn't have a serious Max was actually my first, like mostly big serious relationship. And we didn't start dating until I was, we were juniors in college and we were best friends for three years before then mm-hmm. i think honestly just being kind of like a taller like person like a taller female <laughs> or maybe just pushed away a lot of people for a while i'm not quite sure hey that's that's no kidding right like guys yeah. are intimidated by taller women yeah i think so they don't hit on um, you as also- much they don't think of you like in like i'm i'm not wrong about that right I would agree with you. And also, yeah. like, when you're stuck in a military, like, you're in a military uniform all the time, your hair is up all the time, people don't always see you outside of that yeah. model, uh-huh. where you're kind of, everyone's like, you know, you're doing your duties throughout the day, you look, like, it's hard to see people outside of that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Yeah. Interesting. Did you play, did you, um, did you play any sports in high school? I did. I played basketball, um, which I think was another thing that might have kept people away just because that's a little bit more of an aggressive sport. Mm-hmm. So I, didn't, I don't know if people thought of me as 
know, Karen's the basketball player. <laughs> That's it. I mean, my 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 wife's five nine, and yeah, and I mean, there are obviously taller people than her, but generally speaking, throughout the day, she's the tallest woman I see anywhere. And mm-hmm. she would say that through high school, like everybody was sort of a little like. You know, it was hard to find a guy that was taller than her, and they did seem kind of like, you know, a little scared to talk to her and that stuff. I luckily have like no filter whatsoever, so I'm not tall, and I was able to just like, um, just ignore that fact. But I mean, it's it's not lost on me that, and I'll tell you where I was. I I was somewhere giving a talk, and I was trying to move from room to room, and a bunch of people kind of descended on me as they were like, you know. Karen, in a diabetes setting, I'm like the Beatles. If I walk outside, nobody knows who I am. But in that thing, like people were kind of flocking and we were taking a lot of pictures. And at one point I kind of had like grown women on either side of me. And I thought I should have married someone shorter. I feel so tall right now. And and I feel so like I, it, it, it's, it's a bizarre thing and not something I normally think about, but I felt more masculine. I felt like, you know, like seriously. Anyway, I don't know. It just it just occurred to me. We are so far away from the fact that you have diabetes. So um, <laughs> this is your fault for being delightful. You're a unicorn as far as your attitude goes. You're a doctor, and we're in the Air Force, so there was too much to talk about. So let's go. So I'll, I'll bring it back to diabetes because we should probably talk about it a little bit. Diagnosed, it was out of nowhere. Do you? Start with MDI. Do they give you a pen? Do they give you a pump? Do you does anybody talk to you about CGMs or sensing technology, anything like that? Yeah, so I I was really lucky. So one of my clinical skills instructors in medical school was an endocrinologist. So she was one of the people that like taught me like about the physical exam, like how do we like talk about patients and think about clinical judgment. She was kind of like one of those types of teachers. Mm-hmm. She was an endocrinologist and I texted her basically immediately once I found out what was going on. And while I was in the hospital, I had to go in the hospital eventually because I was in DKA when they diagnosed me. Mm-hmm. She got me hooked up with an endocrinologist almost immediately and a diabetes educator. So I had, that was, um, I had like immediate follow-up coming out of the hospital did MDI while I was at the hospital. So they started me on, you know, a long acting. I was on um, Clarjeans. I was basically on Lantis, you know, the short acting with meals. I was on way too much coming out of the hospital, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) The only reason why I knew was my roommate at the time, her boyfriend was also a type one. So he had just been transitioning. I can't remember if it was from, G4 to G5 or G5 to G6. It was three years um, ago? It was, yeah. So it, was it, was the, it was G, G5 to G6 probably? Yeah. yeah I remember I, I had to wear them for, you know, you had to, what was it? Yeah, I was changing it every seven days. Mm, yeah. Well, yeah, I think the five was every seven days for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that sounds right. Mm-hmm. So I was really lucky because he found out immediately what was going on. And he's like, I have all these extra Dexcoms because I'm on the new Dexcom. Take them. Here's how to put it on. Here's how to make it work. Oh. So I got out of the hospital and basically was on Dexcom almost immediately, which helped me find out that my base, all my insulin was way too much. <laughs> <laughs> I had to eat like a, like two pieces of toast like and peanut butter before bedtime in order to avoid going low. Okay. And then I had immediate follow-up 
basically right out of the hospital, which was helpful. Um, and I think I got the Omnipod within at the oh gosh, it had to have been like less than three months. So I got it really quick. Wow. Yeah, that is fast. So you were in the very beginning, a little too much basil, you were feeding you were feeding the insulin, basically trying to keep exactly. yourself up. The CGM helps you see it. And so you have a CGM pretty early on. Yeah. You'll so you get to see the impacts of your of your insulin, of your carbs and everything and make good decisions from there. Do you take to it well or did you struggle with it? Are you still struggling with it? Are you doing great? Like how how did that part go? I think I took to it well. I think I was kind of in a state of mind where I was like, I was in this fight and I was like, I'm gonna figure this out. Um, I was having my fighter brain on. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think I took to the technology well in terms of kind of I'm like, okay, I can see what this all is. I think I learned how to figure out the Omnipod really well. I think my medical knowledge definitely helped because I could understand, you know, like I needed to take insulin. I could see the effects on my blood sugars. I didn't really start getting, I think, understanding like pre-bolus and things like that Mm -hmm. until a couple of months later. But my first initial A1C after I started everything and kind of got going, we got it. I mean, we can't, we got it down really immediately. I think my first A1C back in the office was a 5.3. Okay. So whether that was from some lows or whatever, but I also found your podcast very quickly. Oh, I did. Yeah. I just Googled around and somebody had mentioned, Oh, you should look up podcasts. And I was like, okay. So I like went on the internet and, eventually found your podcast and started listening to it. I was like, Oh, like Omnipod. I'm like, I have an Omnipod and that I learned to pre-bolus from you. And then my endocrinologist is like, yeah, you should pre-bolus like that will help and avoid some like post meal spikes. And so I think I, with all of that, I think I got a really good understanding of, you know, how to use insulin you know, make feel confident to make adjustments to the system on my own, mm-hmm. learning what like the insulin to carb ratio was, what does sensitivity factor mean? I think I all took to that pretty quickly. Yeah. I think it was just based on my personality that I was, you know, this is, you know, this is my life. I have to figure this out. I'm going to figure this out. I can figure this out. And I feel like I did a I, and I did that. It sounds like it for sure. Also, there must be a little bit of professional pressure too, right? Because you can't, like, how are you going to be a doctor who can't take care of their diabetes? Right. right? I will say, I, yeah, nobody's ever put that pressure on me, but I can definitely. Oh, I don't think anybody put it on you, but you had to yeah. think about it, right? Like, you're going to be a fraud if you can't do that. Right. Like, how and do I, you... I'm a perfectionist too, which doesn't help. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now that I didn't yeah. know, but I I would have guessed that way if you would have asked me. So I'm I don't I don't know why exactly. It just what does that mean though? Perfectionist? Does it mean everything in your house is exactly where it's supposed to be, and we take our shoes off at the door, or when you get into a project, you finish it, you finish it well, you do it right? Like, where does that touch your life? So I think it definitely. When I do something, I want to do it to the best of my ability. Sometimes, and ultimately, if I do end up finishing something, it's a very good product. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it can prevent me from starting things when I anticipate that it's not going to be a successful outcome. So that's the bad side of it. Um, My house isn't perfect, but (laughs) 
when I go and complete a task, I always want it to be at the like the pro- end product to always be at the highest that it possibly could be. And if it's not, then sometimes in my mind, I'm like, well, you know, oh, it could have been better, <laughs> even though it was good. <laughs> You're not going to treat your patients that way, are you, Karen? Like, oh, no, too late for you. Forget it. <laughs> we no, <can't>. <laughs> it's mostly for myself. I'm like, oh, I didn't do a good enough job. But sometimes good enough is good enough. Like perfect isn't, you know, always like you don't need to achieve perfection to to be good enough you don't so. have to explain that to me i have a yeah. motto if you set the bar low enough you'll never trip over it <laughs> <laughs> and everything seems like a success exactly <laughs> i put my socks on yay, yay. <laughs> I, I, smart I, goals yeah, yeah let's keep it simple you know what i mean um mm-hmm. okay so you you get a CGM. I mean, eventually you ran out of free CGMs. You had to get it yourself. And mm-hmm. um, and you've got a pump. Are you still using Omnipod? I am. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually about to start Omnipod 5 here in a couple of weeks. Oh, look at you. Nice. Mm-hmm. So you're going to go automated, which is, mm-hmm. I think, a great decision. Uh, especially for, I mean, so where you're at right now in your training, are you actually, you're in the hospital now, right? Working, aren't you? Yeah, I, I do. I do a mix of things. So where I'm training in my family medicine program, we do a mix of inpatient medicine, so hospital medicine, and then outpatient office medicine. So my la- first year of my training, I did a lot more inpatient hospital medicine. So I did all my rotations in the hospital on like a normal medicine rotation. Uh, I rotated through the pediatric emergency room and pediatric inpatient team. I did adult emergency room, adult medicine, two intensive care units. What else did we do? Those are the big rotations I've done that I did during my first year. And now that I'm in my second year, I think about half my time is in the hospital and half my time is in the office doing like my continuity clinics. Mm-hmm. Do you have any trouble being on your feet all day or are you pretty good at handling that? Sometimes if it's like a really more active day and this is where I'm hoping the automated part can help, you know, struggling if you, for some reason, the day becomes more active, having to deal with some low, lower blood sugars. If we've been on our feet for a long period of time, like on rounds or something, that can be a struggle from, from time to time. I haven't had as much issues during clinic because I feel like I have a little bit more control of things. Mm. Um, but it, it can be that way when there's, you know, you go a longer time without eating because you're, you know, rounding with your attending or, you know, for some reason the day becomes a little bit more active than you were anticipating. But I just generally try and carry like glucose tablets with me in that type of instance. And Really, if it comes to the point where I'm like, I'm low, I need to sit down. I always have people who can, who are willing and more than able to step in to help to allow me to do what I need to do to fix something if that ever were the case. That's excellent. Mm-hmm. What made you want to come on the show? I really love this show and I feel like I kind of have a unique story. So I wanted to share my story and I just hear so many people come on here and I know I've found what other people say, I always might hear a phrase of that I pick up and I find that personally helpful in my life. And I, I really just wanted to come on to like share my story, to give back to the community, talk with you and just, I don't know. I'm delighted. I'm delighted that you like me. 
Because you yeah. you 100% feel like somebody when I was younger who would not have liked me. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like I'm growing as a person. Or at the very least. Yeah, no, like, I've always liked you. I've always, I've never, I know some people I've heard, I like when I listen to you on the podcast, people, <laughs> you know, have comments and Once whatever, in a while, nothing too bad. But I don't think so. And so you hear my sarcasm. Yes. Yeah. Even though you, do you employ sarcasm in your life at all? I don't think I have the gift of sarcasm, unfortunately. <laughs> it, it is a gift, Karen. It really is. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just so much intent and tone and uh, phrasing. Uh, I don't know. And it's funny, too. Like, sometimes it is really funny. I'm like, I wish I could be funny like that. But You know, my family doesn't think I'm funny at all. Well. Can I tell you something? That's that, too bad. I'm going to say something <laughs> that happened the other day to me. And I don't know if this is what this is going to sound like. If, like, it's like going to sound like bull or not to people. But for my entire life, like, the first time I remember this happening as an adult, I was maybe 18 or 19. It was during a heat wave. And we didn't have any air conditioning. So my friend and I, Mike, Mike and I, we bought a baby pool at the at the Kitty City. Did, does anybody remember toy stores? There was a toy store near us called Kitty City. We went down there, we bought this plastic, <laughs> plastic baby pool. We brought it home. I think we took it to my house, filled it with water, brought out like a TV tray, like drug a television outside, put it on it. And we just sat in the damn pool all night to stay cool and watch TV. And we're watching Seinfeld first run. And I don't know if you know, do you know a lot of people who like are like, like honestly funny. And once you know them for a while, you'll realize like they run lines on people or they'll use stuff over and over again, or like there's stuff they say, like I have things I say sometimes. And if you don't know me, you wouldn't know that I would have said it. 50 times in the last 10 years or something like that. My wife, like I can see the look on my wife's face. Like she's like, oh, he's going <laughs> to launch into this one. You, you know what I mean? And so we're watching Seinfeld and this thing that I've been saying forever just is happening in front of me on television. And I turn to Mike and I go, I swear to God, if I find out you're selling my ideas to people, I I'm going to be pissed. And and he's, and <laughs> we, we watched and very quiet and he turned to me and he goes, you got to try to get into this somehow. He goes, that's literally your bit. He's like that. He's like, like, you know, you, you, that's how you, that's oh how you God. tell it. It's the beats, <laughs> it's the tone. He's like that whole thing. Anyway, two nights ago, I'm scrolling on the, I don't know, you know, whatever, one of those things. And I land on a Louis CK bit and, he, and Louis telling his, his thing. And it's like word for word, a joke I tell like for years. And I thought, Am I as funny as Louis C.K.? And I was like, because that guy obviously makes questionable decisions with his penis, but is really, really funny. And so do you know what Louis C.K. did? I don't want to say it in front of you, Karen. I feel like it won't go well. Do you know what no, he did, though? I have though? no idea. Oh, my God. All right. It turns out, Karen, that if you knew Louis and you were hanging out, like, in his dressing room after, uh, I don't know, something, Louis might announced to the room that it is his intention to take himself out of his pants and handle himself and you should leave if you want to um apparently that was go ahead laugh again karen i didn't realize you were gonna laugh that was so nice do it again well i'll get you to laugh again don't worry about it and so um anyway that's a horror obviously uh and but the guy's a, he's a really funny comedian and so anyway, so he's running this like bit on stage and this little thing I'm scrolling past and it's like word for word. I'm like, I do this. Like I do this thing. 
And I'm like, so my idea that I had like a few years ago and Louis's idea are very similar. Like, am I, could I be a professional comedian? I was like, I got to quit this podcast and find out. You know what I mean? <laughs> like this podcast is taking up way too much of my time. So I could like, although I probably, probably make more money than a, than a starting comedian. All right, maybe I can't afford to do that. But anyway, the point is, I don't know what the point is, Karen. I think the point is, is I think I'm funny. But my parents, or my, my, well, my parents didn't. Oh, Jesus, Karen, you have no idea. My parents really did not think I was funny. And um, and my family, like, like Arden and I laugh together. We have the same, we have the same sense of humor, basically. Mm-hmm. But once somebody says I'm funny, she goes, no, he's not. It's so interesting. <laughs> like, she won't give me credit for it. Anyway. Yeah. I think my point is, is that I think there are people getting away with being professional comedians, and they're just... They're funny, but they're not like, like, you know what I mean? Like, they're not all Dave Chappelle. You don't have to like Chappelle's humor to know that as far as a person who can deliver a story in a funny way, the man's like a, he's like at the top of a class. You know what I mean? Anyway, do you like stand up at all? I don't listen to a lot of stand up. No. Have you ever been to a live uh, show? No, not at all. Oh, you should try that. You should. You should even like we're, we just did one. Who did we just do? Damn it! Why can't I remember what we just did? I had the COVID recently, uh, Karen. Oh no! And uh, I'm 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 coming back out of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it, it it took its it took its toll on me. Anyway, what was the worst part? The vacillating fevers. Okay. Like, oh my god, I'm dying. I'm so hot. Oh my god, I'm so cold. And they would happen in the middle of the night. You couldn't sleep. So like 11 p.m. it would start. And at like 6 a.m. you could fall asleep. And by then you were just laying in a pile of your own human sweat. sweat And just like going like, oh, God, I can't believe it. But I'm actually going to go to sleep now. Then I'd sleep till like 9 a.m. Wake up and make the podcast. And then then like live a whole day. And then just it would all, it just went over and over again. And then every time you think it's over, it's not over. And then it turned into bronchitis. Nice. Yeah. So oh, mu- we, we literally were sick for two months here. Oh, and it just like, I feel like it bounces back and forth. Like, oh yeah. We gave it to each season. other. And oh my God, we gave it to each other. Like we needed antibiotics to get out of it. Like it was just like mm. a horror. Um, and I think it is I think it's messed with me a little bit. I mean, I'm okay now, I think. But um, I do think that six months from now, when people are hearing the podcast come out, if they really pay attention, you might hear where I was sick while I was interviewing people a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Because I was just a little like, oh, like maybe a little slower or something like that. Anyway, you could be funny. Do you ever say anything that's funny? Are you ever funny by mistake? Maybe from time to time. I can't think of anything funny to say, like, off the top of my head. But I think maybe within my group of friends, like, in, in, amongst my, like, friends that are also doctors. I mean, we have things that we say that we think are funny. But if anybody was listening to our conversation, they'd be like, what the heck are they talking about? Or they might think we're super nerdy or lame or gross. I don't know. <laughs> I, I would love to know if you're actually funny or if you all just have the same bad sense of humor. I would love to, yeah. be, a, I'd love to be a fly on a wall in that room. Yeah, to hear what we're joking about. Yeah. yeah, if you want to see a funny television show, somebody should pay Arden and I to watch other people to see if they're funny or not, because we would be funny and horrible to them as we were judging them. Anyway, John Mulaney, I just popped in my head. I saw John Mulaney live recently. Oh, yeah. And I'm telling you, like, uh, I think stand-up 
like recorded like on Netflix can be like it's a I think it's a little duller on television than it is live. So mm, anyway, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like that's the same thing with music. It's always better live. Oh yeah, because you're there and you're in the moment. You're with the energy. You're with the people. Like it's just better. Seeing a movie is the same way, right? Like you just like being yeah. around a bunch of people. You can feel like you feel like you can feel each other in the room. You know. So right. anyway, Mulaney was funny, but I don't know, Karen. I don't know where we got, how we got here. What do you, um, I appreciate you wanting to come on and, and I want to like highlight what you said a moment ago about just picking up tidbits from other people's conversations. I think that's a super important part of why the podcast helps people or why they like it or whatever that you can't just like, you just can't expect to interview like 10 people and get all of the information out that someone needs. You're always going to be missing something like Jenny and I recorded a show the other day that just went up. And it was, mm-hmm. um, we did, a uh, we did, uh, ketones. ketones. Thank you. Jesus. I'm the worst person to tell you what's going on in this podcast, but, um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm so far like ahead of where you guys are sometimes like my, yeah. head, my head's not there, but it was Isabel. She came through the, through the, um, community and she does such a great job of seeing what people like where people's gaps are and coming to me and saying, you really should do an episode on like this topic. And, Mm -hmm. and she's, I mean, as far as I can tell, she hasn't been wrong yet. So she came to me and she said, look, there's plenty of information about illness ketones, like spread through the pro tips and a couple of other places. She's like, but put it all in one place and let's make it part of the bold beginning series. And when she said that, I was like, but I already finished the bold beginning series. And at the end of it, I told everybody that's the end of the bold beginning series. And she goes, Mm -hmm. well, you're going to have to tell them that you were wrong. And I was like, all right. So, but just, uh. That kind of stuff is is super valuable too, like like targeted stuff, where you just like I'll listen for forty five minutes and understand how to clear my ketones out when it's over. Yeah, I still think that picking stuff out of of conversations is a big part of this. Yeah, That's why I try to have so many of them, and um, and why I hope that this is entertaining on some level because it's diabetes. And if you just came on and droned on about diabetes, I can't imagine anybody would listen to it. You know, like. Even if it was yeah. rock rock solid information, how do you find this is interesting? You're still learning about medicine, and you're mm-hmm. still formulating your ideas about how to talk to people about it. Mm-hmm. How do you find the pro tips in those other targeted series? Were they valuable for you? Did you get anything out of it, even about how I talk to people about their medical stuff? I think it's things that. I probably maybe have gotten out of it. I mean, it's just always being open-minded mm-hmm. to, you know, like hearing what people say and knowing that, you know, when people come in and they may be pushing back on you, trying to explore where that comes from, knowing that everyone kind of has like a story behind like, you know, like where they're at with their health or something like that. In terms of like medical knowledge or like diabetes, because it's a very type one focus, I mostly deal with type twos that are on oral or like once weekly injectable medications. I wouldn't say from like that standpoint, it's necessarily been helpful, but I think definitely from the perspective of just like understanding people and where they're coming from, it's definitely helpful to hear like people's stories and the experiences that they have that have colored their experience with the medical system. It's having a better understanding that people come from different places and most of the time there's, you know, some level of like fear and misunderstanding and just wanting to hear where people are coming from so that I can understand them and maybe we can find a place 
where we can meet in the middle ground yeah. where like there are things that are definitely medically indicated and I will let you know what those things are, but also noticing that things are a work in progress and you can ultimately get to the same place with time. I think wait, it's funny. You're not asking, but if you asked me, Scott, you've spoken to 800 people who have a medical condition, mm-hmm. maybe more. And um, what do you think? I would tell you not to try really hard not to assume you know where, how somebody got to where they are, what they know, or what they, or what, or what their expectation, or, or, and you shouldn't ever apply medical expectations to them because they might have different expectations for themselves. Yeah. And that, I think that'll end up being really helpful for you because I, I've done a handful of interviews with type twos. And overwhelmingly, the the story is, I got type 2 diabetes. Somebody pushed a protocol on me. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what was happening to me. I didn't know why I was doing what I was doing, what was supposed to be happening, what I was looking for. I didn't even know what outcomes were were hopeful, what outcomes were acceptable. Like, you know, what should I be shooting for? And then the doctor just looks at me. And if my A1C falls into some sort of a range, they go, everything's fine. And if it doesn't, they say, you know, try harder or lose weight or exercise or something that's mm-hmm. that's vague and and maybe doesn't take into account what what their situation is. Like it's easy to say to people like just lose weight or just do this or mm-hmm. whatever the thing you're gonna say to them is, but it might not be easy to them. And it's very difficult for those people to speak up in that moment. Yeah. Like that's kind of what I've learned talking to people. Yeah. I think what's hard too is our appointments are they're just so short now so it's like almost like for me like there's so many things that go into the management of chronic health conditions it's not just you know it's life it's lifestyle and medicine and all these other things that you know it could take a whole 15 30 minutes appointment just to talk about lifestyle and there are certain um like more there are like lifestyle medicine doctors who can who may be able to focus a little bit more on that but I think we all would love to have more of that time, especially in like primary care, yeah. to talk to patients about, you know, those types of things in their lives that, you know, what what is impeding them from being able to achieve the outcomes that they want. But it's, you know, we only have so much time. And I think that that's, a, that's something we all kind of deal with a lot as healthcare providers is we can always throw a medication at something. But sometimes the things that, you know, the best way to deal with anything is to put the two together. I think too that I understand that the visits are short, mm-hmm. but I think that that gets met sometimes by physicians with like, look, I have X number of minutes of information to to deliver, but I have this many minutes to do it in. There's not enough time, so it's not going to work out. But but think about that. Think about it like this: like you listen to the podcast, right? Like, I wh- why why do people listen to this and then do well with their diabetes? It's because I've figured out. And, and made the assumption that that, and then tried it with my daughter, and then came forward and said, "Okay, look, these are the T-shirt slogans you need to know to manage your diabetes. Is there more to it? Mm-hmm. There definitely is, but you need to pre-bolus. You have to understand the impacts of your food, glycemic index, and load. You have to be fluid. You have to bolus for fat and protein. You shouldn't look yeah. at a high blood sugar and just go. Oh, I hope this comes down." You know, but like, you know, I'd rather stop a lower falling blood sugar than fight with a high one. Like these sort of like, I hate to say it, but they're t-shirt slogans 
that mm-hmm. in the moment are like, oh yeah, I my blood sugar is 300. I should want this to be down. And, or you're like, well, how do I make that decision? Well, you have to learn to trust that what you know is going to happen is going to happen. Like I went to great lengths to take something really complicated and make it simple enough that you can get a good launch into it. And then you start seeing some progress and some success and it makes you want to learn more about it. And it makes you want to fine tune it more. And I think, I, Karen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm betting on you. I think there's a way to get people into that room in that limited amount of time. And you are smart enough to figure out what your t-shirt slogan <laughs> should be to get them moving in the right direction. I'm yeah. putting, I'm hanging this on you. You said people didn't pressure you about something oh, before. Okay. I'm pressuring you. <laughs> I want this. You're my, that's a lot of Karen, pressure. <laughs> you're my emissary in this field. Now get going. <laughs> get out there. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. And it makes me wonder how can we do the same for other pe- things that people deal with? Yeah. How, and, and I think there's something unique with this might, what this podcast kind of maybe reminds me of, or we do have these like things called like group medical visits Mm -hmm. where it's like a group of people with the same thing who come together and it's like a normal doctor's office done with a group. So I wonder if there's something unique to the, the fact that this is almost like a group experience of people who have, have the same thing as you talking about what they do and people just, I think as humans, we are, you know, we're connected individuals, we live in societies, and maybe there's just something uniquely different about being in a group and our ability to receive and accept information, as opposed to when you're sitting in a doctor's office, which is a, can often be a power relationship where Mm -hmm. you are maybe feeling like the prey and the predator, you know, or like, mom and dad Yeah, there's a hierarchy and you're at the bottom of it there's a hierarchy yeah. yeah and i wonder if there's just something uniquely different about being in a community of people who deal with what you deal with and our ability to receive and understand and implement information i pitched that idea to a hospital a few years ago i was like instead of bringing everybody in mm-hmm. for 20 minutes why don't you bring everybody in for two hours and put 20 people in the room yeah. and they said well hipaa violations and like they argued with me i was like it's a great idea yeah. and it sounds like you guys might be doing something like that which is smart i do think the last piece of it which is privacy like you want to have a group you mm-hmm. want to have a group experience but you want private a lot of people want privacy too i think that's why the podcast is helpful mm-hmm. Because you feel like you're talking to everybody who's listening to everybody, but you are in your ears and you're by yourself and nobody knows what you're listening to. And But I think you can do it. Yeah. All right. Karen, I'm so sorry. I have to jump. Are you, I, would, I, I don't okay. want to cut you off though. Make sure that you told me everything you want to tell me. I, I think we, I did. I, I do want to, the one person I want, I want to thank somebody. I do want to thank my husband for being so wonderful. I think he's a really big person reason why I've been able to do all the things that I want to do. We don't get to live together um, because of his, because he's in the Air Force and stationed in a different place. But I think a lot of my calm and ability to be who I am today is because he's very much my personality type too. Mm -hmm. So whenever he hears this, I'm going to make him listen to it. Um, I just want to say thank you to him because he could have just gotten up and left me when all this stuff happened. And he's always been my best friend and he didn't. And Oh. He helped me a lot. <laughs> I, did, I don't usually do personal shout outs in the podcast, but that was touching. Very nice. Uh, well, yeah, b- b- way to be a good guy, man. And like, 
not not yeah. be a dick and not be scared and you know what I mean and no. yeah, stand and fight <laughs> a little bit because I take your point. I ask people a lot actually. Uh, people of like dating age was like, did you know? Do you worry that this would would kind of push people away from you or scare them or whatever? It does happen. There are plenty of people mm-hmm. who are like, oh, you have what? Eh, look over there, and then they're gone when you turn back around, you know. And yeah, that's that's good stuff. Well, you obviously must really love you. Yes, and I, I love him too very yeah. much. Um, he's my best friend, and I think a lot of what he does for me and for a lot of people, you know, goes without being faint. And I just want to. Well, that's so sweet. I wanted to put that out there. Well, hey, listen, <laughs> let's give him a little ego boost, too. Super sexy that he flies a plane? Yes. Yeah. Do you ever fly? <laughs> he flies drones. Oh, wait, does he? Yes. Oh, wait, he's not up in the thing? No, oh. but he still wears a flight suit, so. That's, I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, but is he a pilot? Like, uh, I know he's a pilot if he flies he the drone, but is he a pilot that, like, do you guys, like, like pleasure fly together? Like, do you, does he have a... No, so he doesn't have his private pilot's license, and I'd be kind of a little terrified to go up in those small planes. They're the ones that always seem to kind of break up. People, <laughs> All right, to well, there's the answer. She loves you, but not that much. <laughs> She'd not get in a plane. <laughs> Karen, this was really, really a treat. I appreciate you doing this, and I'm so sorry. I know we moved yeah. the time around a bunch of times, and but you were really flexible, I and I appreciate it. Yeah, well, I just this was really great. I've been I've been looking forward to this, and. Thank you so much for letting me come on the podcast. It's my pleasure. Seriously, get out there and find a different way to help people, okay? And then and then call me back. <laughs> Seriously, and then tell me what it is later. Like he, I, I will try. I'll try and figure something like, out. I'll try. Like, listen, buddy. I just need to build some people. I got to buy a house. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't. I got to pay off my Yeah, own. yeah. Like, listen, after we pay the 125 I owe Wake Forest, then we'll talk about it. Uh <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. Wake Forest couldn't have cut never mind. They could have cut you a break. Um all right, hold on one second for me. I of course want to thank Karen for coming on the show and sharing her story. And I'd also like to thank the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter for sponsoring this episode. You know who else sponsored the episode? Omnipod. Go to Omnipod.com forward slash juice box to get started today. And don't forget ContourNext.com forward slash juice box. Links in the show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com. Honestly, the, the show is sponsored by these two companies. That's why the recording exists. It's how the editing got paid for. It's how the hosting for the show exists. It's, it's why you get the podcast. It's why it's free. So I really appreciate it when you support the sponsors. If you have type 2 or pre-diabetes, the Type 2 Diabetes Pro Tip Series from the Juicebox Podcast is exactly what you're looking for. Do you have a friend or a family member who is struggling to understand their type 2 and how to manage it? This series is for them. Seven episodes to get you on track and up to speed. Episode 860, Series Intro. 864, Guilt and Shame. Episode 869, Medical Team. 874, Fueling Plan. Episode 880, Diabetes Technology. Episode 885, GLP-1s, Metformin, and Insulin. And in episode 889, we talk about movement. This episode is with me and Jenny Smith. Of course, you know Jenny is a certified diabetes care and education specialist. She's a registered and licensed dietitian. And Jenny has had type 1 diabetes for over 30 years. Too many people don't understand their type 2 diabetes. 
and this series aims to fix that. Share it with a friend, or get started today. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.